Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi there and welcome to episode 91 of the ADHD adults. I, I, we can't even start an episode. We can't finish. It's just Jesus. Welcome to episode 91 of the ADHD adults podcast. I'm James Brown. And as usual, I'm joined by the human kinder surprise egg, Dr. Alex Connor, and the woman who seems surprised that her mood this week might be different to last week, Mrs. ADHD. Alex, hi. Doesn't matter how kind you are, James. German children are kinder. Kinder. So, I think, yeah, I think it's important to point out that you took the time not only to to write that joke, but then consider it, yeah. mull it over a bit in your head before then leaving yeah. it in. And and what I like is the fact that the only thing, in fact, I like about it is the fact that it doesn't work spoken out loud, and that's why you put it in, <laughs> isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that is that is and, true. And, yeah. and 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 Mrs. ADHD, hi to you. Hiya, that was awful. Well, well done. <laughs> it's really Thank sets you. off to a bad start, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm all depressed I rem- now. Good. A reminder to everybody that we started the podcast for quasi-educational reason, reasons, but 40 seconds of actual information a week isn't enough for many of you at one person. So <laughs> now we'll do an extra with bonus content so I can beg people to turn up to Cardiff Glee Club on the 21st of March, which has actually already happened because I don't plan things properly in the script. And James <laughs> does it so he can pretend he, he can pretend he's an actual human for an hour. Sam's here as well because we promised to an ice cream afterwards. James, what is this? I don't even like ice cream. <clears throat> That's very true. Um, so this James Corden's face of a podcast is also a tragedy in three parts. We'll discuss how the week between podcasts has been from our perspective as adults with ADHD and people involved in the adult ADHD community. (laughs) Sorry, Sam, you're very hyperkinetic this morning. Sorry, Um, Um, I took my meds a bit late. (laughs) They'll kick in soon. Forgot my meds. We'll take questions. We'll answer questions from the community. So remember to send them in on socials and then we'll talk a little bit about this week's podcast theme. We had the brilliant Dr. Nick Bridgeford on talking about routes to a diagnosis, why we chose it, two of us at least, and how we feel about it. So let's start with the usual question, which no one asks me, which is, how was your week? And we'll start with Sam. How was your week? Mental. Really, really Mm. busy at the minute. And I couldn't sleep last night because I stayed up like a child looking at my phone. I feel like one of those people that leaves, lives in, is it Greenland where the, for like for six months it's sunny or something? I feel really tired, basically. Would it be worse if it was sunny all the time or dark all the time? Because they're like six months of each, aren't they? It might not be Greenland. Um... <laughs> well, we'd get... <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd get she, we'd get rickets. Right. Choose a job. <laughs> <laughs> if it was dark all the time, we'd get rickets. So I would choose sunny all the time. Uh, but sleeping would be a problem then, wouldn't it? Well, you'd use blackout blinds and boring myself. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, fair enough. 
Um, yeah, so busy. And James is away all week, so at least I can catch up with shit in the evenings because he won't be here to spend time with, so I can just do emails and, and messages and stuff. So if you're waiting for replies on Instagram or email us, mind you, I will have caught up by the time this goes off. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to catch up this week. Sorry. What about you, James? Oh, just Sam. That's the stick ruined right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, polite, it's the thing is, I'd like, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to think she was being polite, but the, but the laugh she released afterwards, kind of, you know, displayed behind there, there was definitely a nefarious reason. How have I been? Um, I'm gonna have to say, trigger warning, clacks on, not in a good place. So, uh, I took some time off. We went down and did, you know, the little talks I'm doing now. I don't like talking oh, about you, it. Tell, you know those, you've, those talks. your pathetic talks you do. Yeah, don't don't like talking about them. But we went down to Brighton and Plymouth to give a couple of talks. And then I had some annual leave and I came back. And halfway through a day of annual leave, I, I thought, I feel really tired. And this is on my Liz decks and I'm never tired. And a bit of a headache and a bit dizzy. And went to bed. And I was in bed for two days, basically, with some kind of bug. And, you know, poor health always drives poor mental mental health for me. Um, and what I've really noticed is that I'm, I'm binge eating a lot more than usual. So normally, as we talked about in the past, I will sometimes consume substances that make you eat more to try and give an excuse for that binge eating. But I'm now binge eating just on days of the week because I think I'm probably stressed and I'm probably low and it's, it gives you that short-term control, that short-term sense of pleasure. But then afterwards, the after effects of hating myself, thinking I know I'm never going to lose weight if I constantly go out to the shop, spend £5 on a loaf of bread, two chocolate bars, a pack of biscuits and eat them all within half an hour. You know, the stomach acid, everything, it, it's horrible. And, and the thing, I haven't told you two about this, so sorry to drop it on you. The thing that's on my mind, and it's not its not a, a bad thing necessarily, is, do you remember Do you remember I told you once, you're both in this, when I used to go to bed at night, the first image I would see would be a very negative image. It would be either me punching myself in the face or, or me doing something very dark every night for 10 years. And I always thought that that was almost like a mental escape clause. It was a way of me accepting that as bad as things are, you know, kind of there's always a way out. I know that sounds terrible. It's not that I wanted that way out, but it, it's a bit like we were talking the other day. If I'm in a job and I feel cornered, I'm more likely to leave. Whereas if I'm in a job and I know there's other things I can do, I won't leave because I know there's options. I think it was the mental equivalent of that for years. And I've just been struggling over the last few weeks thinking, I've got all these projects on which I'm really excited about. But kind of thinking when they're done, I don't know, how long have I got left? Do I, do I want this life? Every day is pain. And it's not like immediate ideation about stuff. It's not that I don't, I want to harm myself. It's just a genuine, how long can I go on with this? You know, are you pumped for your ADHD, Al? When I, when I, when I hear that, I, I do kind of think, <laughs> no, I'm really fucking not actually, because every day, every day is pain. It's very much a superpower. power. Have you tried channeling your extra creativity? <laughs> yeah, no, I have, yeah. I have. Yeah, so anyway, that's my happy week. Thanks for asking. What about you, Al? Fucking Al, Sam, don't ask again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've 11 reefed me well and truly there, I have to say. I was going to say, I've been feeling a little bit of burnout. You're confused by 11 a reef, aren't you, Sam? Mm. 
It's I when you tell well. somebody you've been to Tenerife, they have to get one up it and say, well, I've been to uh, Eleven. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've had a little bit of burnout. I have not been in any way suicidal, but yeah, I don't normally get it as, as you know. And, and this last week I was, it was weird. It really, really out of character and weird. I couldn't do the normal things that I do. It was horrible, actually. I feel like I'm just, just coming out of it a bit now. <laughs> actually, you got me out of it, James, by taking a couple of things, holding a couple of things from me, which I now realise came at an enormous emotional and physical cost. So, you know, luckily, <laughs> luckily guilt is, is for non-psychopaths, so, you know, I won't even give it a second thought. Yeah, no, really feeling guilty and shamed and terrible about myself and making social mistakes as well with lots of people and weird, weird, horrible, crappy, self-loathing week. Not as bad as yours, but not great. And I'm coming out of it now. I'm very excited. I am too. Good. I don't Good. know what it is. Fuck knows. Yeah. Ugh. Mm. But however, there's always a stupid thing, right? There's always a stupid thing. This whatever always. we've had a, had a bad <clears throat> week. Uh that you should have been doing something else and you've been doing this <laughs> instead. I'm I I'm dunno. I I'm gonna come to James. James, what stupid thing have you been doing? Not you know, really sad thing. That when <laughs> oh no, yeah, that's 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 a really that's, that's a really sad thing. Over this is obviously something that's self-deprecating about my utter lack to pay attention to my environment. So I was uh, getting stuff ready for the live podcast event, which I think will also have happened the, the night before we released will this. It? I think. Oh God, I hope. Oh, yeah. people I think so. Yeah. They, they, Sam, they've got ADHD. Of course, I won't. Um, and I was getting sorting kind of the sorting the microphones and bits out and making sure we've got all the tech. And uh, we we talked about this in the in the game on on Monday. And <laughs> I don't know when or at what point I did this, but all of a sudden, you know, there was there was blood on the carpet, and I thought that's that's odd. Where's that come from? And then look, and it's weird because I had one sock on one foot and the other didn't have a sock on. And then I looked at my foot and it was just co- covered in blood. And I thought, what what what's <laughs> What's happened? And I, and I can't remember. Now, when I stubbed my toe, it hurts. I can't remember kicking anything. Can't remember any pain. Didn't see the blood on my foot. Just noticed this probably six centimetres diameter patch of blood on the carpet and then several other patches. And then obviously it's difficult. It's right on the end of my little toe. It's difficult to kind of dress it. So now I can't really wear shoes. And I'm, and I'm up in Middlesbrough <laughs> doing a talk. And I can't... And I had to drive here for four and a half hours last night because... It should have taken three. If we'd have left at six, we'd have got here at nine, but we left at four and it rerouted us because of the traffic. So it took us all, well, as long, pretty much, four hours and 50 minutes, driving with a, a foot where my toe is stinging with a massive, massive big blast around it, all because I was completely unaware of my surroundings and I, di- I was so hyper-focused, I didn't notice cutting my toe open to the point where I probably lost about 15 mils of blood. That's why I've been doing this stupid in ADHD. What about you, Alex? I like asking this because you've put the same thing in as last week. I have, but I, I, <laughs> I really have. Again, Impulse purchased a load of plants. Again, I bought an orange tree and a lemon tree, which I will kill. Oh. I know, and the orange tree's got actually <laughs> tiny little oranges on it. It's not very, it's only like 60, 70 centimetres. It's cool. I'm going to kill it, obviously. The idea of watering Mm. it, I I don't know. How long do you you have to do with them? Do do they go outside? I don't know. I haven't even looked it up. No idea. It's probably the wrong season, is it? I don't know. Have you got a greenhouse? Probably. 
know. Orangery? You've got an orangery? Oh, I could put it in the orangery. <laughs> I do. Cool. Oh. Uh, yeah, so it forgets the West. It forgets old. the West Wing quite often. Yeah, the West Wing's got a lemonary. <laughs> That's not a word. <laughs> I bought um, electric scooter as well because I thought I don't know. As why. well as the electric bike. Oh, and I won't use them. I don't know what I was. I, I've had a slightly problematic impulse buying. I, I've had all, all the ADHD <laughs> last week, which I, normally I'm so much better at being controlled. I don't know what's happened last week. It was stupid. And now, and the problem is here. You have to get like a, a license plate and insurance and register it, or you get like a three hundred pound fine. You're a fine. So, as if I'm gonna fucking do that. Well, you could so just gonna... ride it on your grounds. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's got more than a twenty kilometer range, so I want to test that out. That's still on your yeah, grounds, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was uh, I hate you too. What about you, Sam? <laughs> oh. Answer um, a different question or that question? Yeah, I'll probably answer a different one. We went curling with some friends. iPad. Is that a ding? <laughs> <laughs> no. Actual curling with the with the ice and the puck and stuff. And um, I thought the game was over. And so and I thought we'd won. So I went down to the the other end of the ice and started kicking the pucks plastic stones. stones they're called stones. stones started kicking the stones back down um oh, and no. i was really annoyed that nobody else was ha ha no. helping me and i was kicking them all back down and then they were like we're halfway through a game we haven't <laughs> finished and i just <laughs> ruined it so i was like sorry oh. um and i got obsessed with family tree and dna shit this week you know i did one for mm. my mum well i had my mm. results back and then James was in bed suicidal. So I literally spent the entire night. I got really upset looking at things I've got markers for, like Alzheimer's, ALS, shitloads of different cancers, particularly breast cancer, colorectal cancer, bladder cancer, brain tumors, um, heart disease, stroke, MS, cystic fibrosis, Crohn's, celiac ulcerative colitis, inflammatory bowel disease, schizophrenia, Parkinson's, leprosy. Did you know that was still a thing? Apparently is, and I've got it. What? I choose. I choose not. No. <laughs> I've obviously got markers for ADHD, autism, and Tourette's, endometriosis, early menopause, gout, baldness, early death, premature aging, and low empathy, and the warrior gene. But it's the bad stuff I've convinced myself that I'm definitely going to get. And this is after I said to James, you must make sure that before we give mum her results, you explain that just because she's got markers for things doesn't mean that she's going to get them. But it turns out she was fine, and I was the one just crying all night because... I thought that I was going to get all the things I've got markers for. And then when James explained the genetic thing to me, and I thought, well, what was the fucking point of all that if I'm just supposed to disregard it anyway? So then I got obsessed with building my family tree, which is difficult because I'm not good at remembering names of people, even like family. And um, I've got no interest in family trees. Yeah, or birthdays. Mm. Got no interest in family trees, but it turns out my brain fucking loves it. So I joined three different sites, paid for them all, made three different family trees on them all. I hate myself and my brain. And then the day after, somebody made a comment on Discord and I was really low and I spent the whole night in tears. And I spent the whole night, as I do every night, answering messages and emails and stuff from loads of people saying how much we've helped them and how much they love the podcast and all of that. But this one little comment just made me want to go, oh, fuck this. I'm not mm. doing this anymore. It's just not worth yeah. it. And then Kirsty messaged me because obviously she'd seen the comment and would know that I'd be low now. 
And she was like, where are you in your cycle, by the way? I was like, oh, my fucking God, I've done it again, haven't I? I'm due on. And I was just really low because of that. And then all of a sudden I was fine because I realised it was hormonal. James? Yeah. yeah. If we've got... I'm just picturing if we can get in touch somehow with Baz Luhrmann, I choose not to choose colorectal <laughs> cancer. I choose something else. It's definitely a re-release. It's mad. He doesn't so. choose things. He talks about sunscreen. Oh yeah. That, oh yeah, that was different. You're thinking of up. choose life. Yeah, You're thinking of train spotting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah anyway, good. thanks for that both. We're taking a break in part two. We'll be back with questions <laughs> and thoughts from the ADHD adult community. <laughs> Oh, we're not. We're done with the reflections, are we? <laughs> <laughs> See you in a bit. Alex, hi. Hi. What's up? Hello, Governor. Jesus, already. What, what are you doing? Welcome back to episode 90 of the ADHD Adults Podcast, part two, where, as always, we are taking questions from the ADHD adult community. <laughs> This is episode 91, where on Monday we talked about routes to diagnosis, and we'll talk again about reflections on that in part three. But this bit's about questions, whether it's Instagram or Twitter, or more likely from Discord. Come and join us if you like that sort of thing at the ADHD Adults. First one, James and Sam. First question is from a Jenny's, a Jenny S, presumably. It says, oh, that's a good one. What are the options for people with high blood pressure? who are advised not to take medication, stimulant medication particularly. Can we take meds and blood pressure meds? What are the alternatives via NHS or right to choose if you don't go down the medication route? Really big question. Uh, I'll come straight to you, Sam. You can take blood pressure meds with ADHD meds. I know, because people have told me that they are. I'm really annoyed that that was a... I was hoping, you know, it was trying, it was trying to be, you know, <laughs> joshy. And yeah, uh, yeah it, I don't know anything. And uh, it's, you've ruined, you're ruining that. That's the whole shtick. I know, I'm so sorry. It's, it's because I, it's because of answering all the messages and emails. I have to actually research things to come back with answers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's literally what, what we do. It's, like, <laughs> it's weird, you know, the, the more I revise things and learn things, the more I know about those items. <laughs> I don't know oh, why yeah, no one's figured this sense. out. <laughs> yeah, James, uh, what, legally, medically, are we okay with this? What's the what's the situation? Yeah, um, and it, it really depends on what your blood pressure reading is. So we know that some stimulants can cause small increases in blood pressure. If that increase takes you into the hypertensive range, which I think I think it's changed. It used to be something. It's now one forty five over ninety or something to to be hypertension. But it, it's different yeah, from country to country. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and therefore, if it does take you into that kind of low hypertensive range or high blood pressure range, then yeah, you can take a high blood blood pressure tablet. If, however, you start off with high blood pressure, then some uh, clinicians might be, you know, minded to try you on the non-stimulant atomoxetine or take it really, really slow in titration to look at the effect. If you've got a significant cardiovascular history, then they won't touch the stimulants. So it really depends on where you're coming from. If, you know, like I say, it causes a small increase and it's not that bad, it's something to monitor because obviously high blood pressure is symptomless. It's silent. So you don't notice that you've got it. Um, yeah, so it, dep it depends on the case. It's person to person and doctor to doctor, I suppose. 
is, and 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 the GP taking on your medication if you've got both those things, they, oh, it might prove harder to persuade them to do that because it's a, it is it is a scary time. Which leads to the question: What else can you do if you don't want to take any meds at all, either for high blood pressure or just because you don't want to, or because you can't, or twenty percent of people with ADHD they don't work. And there's a, mm. there are a few things. It's not loads of evidence. So the therapy is the is the obvious one. It's not easy to get therapy on the NHS, but you can for ADHD and other things like that. Usually six to eight weeks of it. Um, mm. In general, the evidence for therapy is more that it works for the what psychiatrists would call coexisting conditions that come with ADHD. But to be honest, we probably wouldn't call them coexisting conditions because they're the things that aren't hyperactivity, impulsivity, and attention, but they're the other things that almost all of us have that we might struggle with, such as uh, RSD, emotional dysregulation, anxiety. So the CBT can help with those pretty much only if the therapist is really aware mm. of you and ADHD as a, as a concept. Yeah. Can I, can I also just add that this depends very much on your psychiatrist. We always talk about there's four ADHD drugs, three are stimulants, one's a non-stimulant. There are others, but because they are not included in the National Institute for Clinical Health and Excellence or NICE guidelines, they're not licensed, but they can be prescribed off license. So some psychiatrists will give you Wellbutrin, some will give you Clonidine, some will give you even Modafinil in some rare cases. And the reason they're not licensed is the evidence just isn't there that they're effective. But if the other medications don't work, some psychiatrists would be comfortable saying, well, I'll, I'm happy to give you this other drug, which there is some evidence for, but it's not very strong. And again, they're generally not stimulants. Yeah, I guess the last thing to say is there are some other lifestyle things that doctors can prescribe <clears throat> you these days, like coaching, like mm. um, psychotherapy that maybe isn't the... The, the official NHS, there are ways to get that, but it requires a really honest and open conversation with your GP. And and as we learned from Dr. Nick on Monday, yeah. um, a GP that is also open to those conversations. Oh, serious answers, every Dobby. Mm -hmm. Good question, though. Right, question two. Yeah, really good. <laughs> I don't know what every Dobby was <laughs> either, to be honest. Um, right, question two is from Kaja's Shit Show 47. It says, can I ask a question for the podcast about diagnosis? Do you think that the few, in the future that child ADHD and adult ADHD will be seen as two separate disorders and will children need re-diagnosing as adults? My son was diagnosed four years old and this diagnosis is relevant now he's 21, but I'm concerned that the powers will be will decide they can take away a childhood diagnosis when they reach 18 and make them go through the whole process again. It's a really good question, Alex. Mm, really good. Yes, a beauty, actually. I, I mean, they shouldn't, frankly. This is a lifelong, mm. incurable neurode neurodevelopmental disorder that isn't going away for anyone. The impact on you is taken into account when they make a diagnosis. Remember, diagnosis is just a social construct, isn't it? It's just, we're all, it's just humans saying, you've got this. It's, there's no real line. So they have to agree that it has got a negative or moderate negative effect in two environments. So if you had ADHD as a child and you've got yourself in an environment where you're you feel safe and comfortable a psychiatrist couldn't give you the label really so that that is mm. it, it becomes a social one but in terms of are you always going to be that neurodivergent person yeah you absolutely are it's not super satisfying that I don't think they're separate disorders well they're not but how they're treated yeah. does differ I think 
what we often hear, and Sam will know this because she now answers all the emails. Oh, sorry, Rose answers a lot of the emails and Sam answers all the social media questions. Rose is incredible, by the way. One thing that we often hear is that if you're diagnosed as a child and then disengage with your treatment. So let's say you were diagnosed at 14 or at 7 and, and for whatever reason, when you go to university or just because you want to stop, it gets to your 20s or 30s and you've already got that in your file. This person has ADHD and you go back to your GP, they will send you back for a re-diagnosis. I'm not, I'm not everybody possibly, but in my experience, anecdotally of the people that we speak to, speak to again because the gp would have to sign a shared care agreement and would not be confident to say well i'll restart you on lisdex amphetamine they would at the very least i imagine expect you to want to go through titration and possibly be assessed again and that's really problematic for people who already got this diagnosis and are living with adhd and then when they start to struggle again go back to a doctor say oh yeah i've got i've got adhd and i just told well we're gonna have to reassess you and that must be I mean, the toll of that must be massive. You, the anger, the kind of rejection, the, well, have I really got it? All those negative thoughts. Yeah. Awful. Yeah, definitely. Sam, any thoughts on the matter? Yeah, just the same as you, really. I don't, I mean, I don't, they're not two separate disorders, but if you do mm. lapse in between, then they tend to make you go through, go through it all again. Can I, can I ask before we go on to the third question? Because this is yeah. this is this is something that Alex raised, and I hate giving him any credit. And then Doctor hey, Nick had sent me a paper. Doctor Nick had sent me a paper last week. It's a really good paper about how ADHD medication doesn't just treat the symptoms; it changes how your brain looks and works. That long-term medication actually causes the brain to be a bit rewired and to work better, which is why even if you stop after five years, and this might be the reason that people do stop often after five years, is because your brain now functions better because it's it's slightly it's plastic and it's slightly rewired itself possibly. But in that paper, it said something that Alex has said to me literally two days before which is that he feels that the hyperactive type of ADHD might be a different disorder. And in this paper, it said that. It said that we suggest that purely hyperactive ADHD might be a different disorder. And I just thought really quickly, do you want to talk about that, Al? And Sam, obviously. I think partly the main message here is that I, I was right. <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah. That's I all hate, I can hear. I hate admitting that. I hate <laughs> admitting that. It's like when my sister-in-law, who's a psychiatrist, called me a high-functioning sociopath, and I all I heard was high-functioning. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, cigar smoking, murdering. Um, uh, yeah. So I think I think it's it's not proven, and I'm not I'm not telling people what they are. You just always never tell people what hmm. the diagnosis or or. I think that a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people who think they don't have the inattentive part, often have hmm. don't realise. Uh, what other people are like so i think that a subsection of that 10 percent are just adhd and they didn't and they don't mm. realize other people aren't aren't so bad or that you know they're in a family where and nick uh sam on in monday's episode said that he has people all the time whose families go well you you weren't like that you were normal because for yep. exactly what you've said <laughs> so i think partly it's that and i think partly um it's a, there are a subsection of that 10% where it's a different neurodevelopmental issue around the motor sensors of the brain rather than being ADHD. Not, not a massive deal. If, if the medication helps you, then great. Yeah. I suspect it probably won't because it doesn't really help with 
with the hyperkinetic part. So <laughs> that, that's why, really. Oh. Although it does a bit with me, it calms me down. So that I'm not so. I mean that that's that's ob that's obvious watching you on screen that it helps that it helps you with the hyperkinetic parts. <laughs> no, but you make oh. a good point, don't you? Because part of the part of the hyperkinetic nature, part of it is impulsive lack of inhibition and impulsive mm. like getting bored and moving about, and yeah. the other bit is just uncontrolled ticks and movements. So you're right. Yeah, there's a good, that's a fair point. I Ooh. I withdraw it. <laughs> right, me. This is from Nico mm -hmm. on Discord. Why can I listen to other people's conversations and not my own? When in social situations, it doesn't happen often as I try and avoid, avoid them. I find it impossible to pay attention to what my friends are saying, but I'm very good at listening or picking up multiple random strangers' conversations. Also, one-on-one, -on -one, I feel very comfortable and at ease, but when chatting to more than three people, I find it really hard to relax. It feels uncomfortable or I feel anxious and I can't follow the conversation. Any thoughts, James? I mean, that's that's me, isn't it? And my 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 kind of sixth circle of hell is a wedding where you sat at a table with twelve people, and I can't, I just can't, and unless I'm self medicated um, in rabbit ears with something that, Why, that allows me to. James, that's not rabbit ears. That's just the word for taking drugs or drugs. <laughs> that's that's it what it's called. I know. I know. I know. As I call and, it, yeah. off my tits. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And no, I, I completely get that. And I think that sometimes, Alex will probably talk about where the reward comes from in listening to whether it's other people, pleasing them, etc. maladaptive processes. But yeah, I... In a one-to-one -one setting, with most people, I'm okay at a even at a, even if I don't know them and at a basic level. But yeah, in a group, I will automatically just shut up and withdraw and let everyone else talk and 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 zone out and just not be there. And I've got social phobia. It may be that it's social phobia. It may just be that that overwhelmedness of there's people I don't know. I can't really deal with this. Or there's lots of people all talking. I'll just. And because of low self-esteem as well, I'll just, I'll just duck out. I can't add anything to this. So I do struggle with both listening to and engaging in those slightly bigger group conversations. Sam? Yeah, same. I'm kind of all right with like three other people, maximum, really. And then beyond that, um, it all gets a bit scary. But I get the um, listening to other people's conversations and finding those really interesting as well. You know, if you're out having a meal or something. And somebody's talking to you and your brain's just going, what's going on over mm. there? And it's like seeking reward all the time, isn't it? And if you're not getting it from the conversation you're in, you're listening to other people's conversations because it's, it's interesting to think about other people's lives and what's going on. And, and you haven't got to respond to that conversation as well. So it's easier. Al? Well, let's deal with that first bit first. When we talk about reward, we, there's two types, isn't there? There's getting pleasure, which, you know, we get. But there's also this anticipatory reward, Ding. which is like a short-term emotional, don't get it, acceptance of, of it that there's lots of other conversations going on around you and your brain is going, oh, listen to that one, listen to that one. Just be distracted, be distracted, be distracted. And that's because that's what the ADHD disorder does to our brains. So it's kind of... Suited. Ask yourself, would it be the same if it was just one conversation and you had to ear wig on it the whole time? Or would that make you feel as bored as any other? Probably, right? Maybe not, but for me, it certainly would. So it, it's probably just that there's more than one stimulus 
and therefore we can flit around, which is what the ADHD brain generally tries to do. Anyway, we don't stay on task, task positive network as easily because we leave our default mode network on a bit. And so we get distracted, we daydream, we our mind wanders, we get anything else, Ooh, shiny things, that squirrel thing. Mm -hmm. Let me quickly deal with the other thing, which is um, better in one-on-ones. This is not ADHD. Let's just be dead clear on that. That is not an ADHD thing. What that is, according to Jungian psychology, which is well worth a read, student of Freud, is that that is uh, introvertism. And no one is an introvert, no one is an extrovert. That's bollocks. MBTI, for example, isn't correct. We're not pigeonholable in that way. Depends what day it is, how we're feeling that minute. However, people have a tendency, tendency, and not even to prefer being in a big group or prefer being in a little group, but to get tired or to, to get motivation. Some people say to get energy, but physicists tell me off because it can neither be created nor destroyed. So if you're in a big group, someone like me, I feel more wide awake and more energetic after being a, a part of a big group like a wedding, whereas a lot of most other people seem to find that find the opposite is true. That if they really mm. want to wind down, they'll go up to their room, they'll play guitar or read for a bit or talk to one person they really get on with, and that'll energise them. So is that because in a large group you've got lots of potential victims and you can kind of select which ones you're going to release onto the grounds later on? It's like how James prefers to, you know, if there's just one person and you can fly in through the window and, the, and, the, and drink from their neck. So, yeah, if you, if you have a think about a group of people you really like and one person that you really like and you can chat with both, not you, you, both would be fun, right? But which one at the end of it would you feel energized ready to go out and seize the world which one would make you feel exhausted and that and that young would say would make you more of an introvert or more of an extrovert so for, when i'm spending one-on-one -on -one, i really love it i like coaching one-on-one -on -one, i enjoy it i'm knackered afterwards whereas when i'm in a big group i'll go on all night even completely sober because i'm i'm a jungian extrovert character so, so yeah okay we're going to take a break now, and in part three, we'll have thoughts on this week's theme and podcast. See you in a bit. See you in a bit, Sam. Welcome back to part three of episode 91 of the ADHD Adults podcast, our usual Thursday ramblings. And in part three, we talk about personal reflections, etc., and the first question, as usual, is what made you choose the last idea for a theme, which was Roots to a Diagnosis? Alex? Well, mainly because I thought if we had a guest, Sam wouldn't come on it. I don't know. That was the main <laughs> thinking. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, no, part, actually, it was partly because we wanted Nick on, because as James says, he's Rocky mm. North shit, and he, he doesn't... Yeah. Like, who else, how are we going to find a psychiatrist and a GP and someone with ADHD who also emails us ridiculously mean jokes but no chance yeah um and we also wanted to revisit diagnosis a bit didn't we because we mm -hmm. talked about it early in the podcast and we've been discussing this a lot that some of those things that we think everybody knows of course because we talked about them in the first podcast no one's listened to all this shit we probably have to start revisiting mm -hmm. a bit of it for some of those conversations what about you sam I don't know how many times I have to say this, but I have no editorial rights in this podcast. <laughs> so I didn't choose the theme. I wasn't even involved. What so, about yeah. you, James? We, we, we still made you put the letters in, didn't we? 
Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about what about me? So so when I used to answer as the social media messages before Mrs. ADHD took over, I think it was the uh, it was the horror stories really. It was the people that would say, I've been to the GP and he's not referred me because of X, or I've been to the GP and they won't even see me, or in particular, and this is just something I want us to quickly think about, I think because it doesn't fit into tips, or I suppose we could talk about in themes, is we all had very different routes to diagnosis. I was private, Alex was NHS back in the day when this was kind of well-funded, I suppose, and Sam had this mishmash of trying to go through the NHS, but eventually getting through right to choose, so three very different routes, in a way, to get a diagnosis. And it, it's that, it's, it's the horror stories, it's that feeling of helplessness when somebody messages you saying, I've been to my GP, I, you know, everything that you've, you've advised us, I've told them I had these symptoms as a child, I've told them it's affecting my, my marriage and work, and they've just said, you know, your anxious is sertraline or... Um, or, you know, literally, I, I don't believe that ADHD is real, and then sent them away. And I can't imagine how, how powerless that must make you feel when you, you're yeah, really yeah. struggling and you go to the person to help you and they just say, no, sorry, off you pop. So that's why I thought it was important for us to talk about it. Yeah, and actually, I have no editorial rights, but I did put some questions in for <laughs> you two to ask him because I wanted <laughs> to know them, although obviously I've not listened to the podcast, so... But I will actually. I do listen to the ones that I'm not on. We can talk about those um, those three things, I suppose, in the next bit, which is: was there any thought or tip from the theme that you forgot to say? So, Alex, first. Yeah, I don't really want to say it, but I'm I'm going to have to. Um, my ADHD journey. Hmm, has been immeasurably helped by having James there to talk to about it. And so that, that's something I wanted to say. I mean, firstly, we're, we're not very intersectional, James and I. So if, and it gives us like social power, unearned social power, and I think that helps. So if you are um, a different gender or sex or uh, racially, it's, you don't have the social power that we have any anything really where you feel or, or from, from a working class area where you don't feel empowered i reckon it's like vastly more difficult to be taken seriously to get what you want to even ask for what you want and i think i perhaps didn't touch on that enough but also regardless of who you are if you can get a friend who you can talk to about it, it mm. it's been unbelievably helpful for me to have so i use james as a sense check is is this is this bit me he usually says yes <laughs> Um, and then, but also for a sense of humour, it's much easier in it to, to go, oh, fucking hell, I messed up, I didn't send off the forms, and then we'll, we'll have a laugh about it, and then James will say, oh, what can you do? And I'll say, oh, I should, I'll just phone him and see if it's okay, and then usually it is. So a sense check and a sense of humour, friend, is bloody invaluable. I would have said that, I think. Oh, I hate James, I dislike you, obviously, but you're broadly useful. <laughs> what about you, Sam? Um, well, obviously... I wasn't in the podcast, so I don't know what was said. Um, but I'd say just keep fighting. Um, like you said about my diagnosis, I asked to be referred under right to choose, but I was referred to the wrong service for ADHD. And it took me a year and a half to finally go back and say, can you refer me to, through to Psychiatry UK under right to choose? And so this time when I was getting referred for ASD, 
I just kept ringing back and ringing back and booking appointments with the GP and saying, have you done this? And emailing the forms through because I wanted them to do it under right to choose. And I think I just annoyed them until they basically did it. Um, but I was, you know, I'm lucky that I've got a GP that would refer me under right to choose because that's not happening with everybody now, which is disappointing. But yeah, just keep going back and keep fighting. And, you know, if your GP won't do it for you, complain, move GPs, you know, there's things that you can do. What but about you, James? I think that's really, just quickly to carry on with your point, Sam, I think that's really important because one of the things Nick said was obviously most GP practices nowadays have multiple partners. And that's good, but it's also bad sometimes when you're trying to get back in touch with that GP to say, have mm. you referred me? And there's a gatekeeper of a receptionist. And yeah. if you need to have an appointment with that GP, it might be four weeks before you can get an appointment with that GP, but three days to get one with someone else. And then you're going to someone different and saying, I've asked to be referred and they don't know. So it can complicate things. I think that's important. Um, in terms of my extra thoughts and advice, like I say, I think it's really interesting that we had three different routes. I didn't know Right to Choose existed, so I went to the bank of mum and she helped me go private back when it was quick and easy to go private. Now, we put on the website a massively overcomplicated complicated flow diagram of the routes to diagnosis, but it has everything in there. And what I would say is read it, because what we talked about with Nick, really importantly, was shared care agreements. And for the people that want to go down the route I went down, of going private again we hear this so often that they not not panic they're desperate desperate people search online see a, a clinic that says we'll give you an adhd diagnosis for 900 pounds and you go and you have your assessment and then they say oh that's not with titration that's an extra 600 pounds mm. plus the cost of the drugs and then you're two grand deep ding not even a ding <laughs> and then you go back to your gp and the gp says yeah i'm not i'm not taking that on so you just spunked two grand to get a diagnosis which is use, useless and that again i can't imagine how that feels so it's so important that if you are so desperate that you feel that you can't even wait the six months that some right to choose providers have as a waiting time and you have to go private just double check first double check your gp will sign a shared care agreement double check what you're getting from the clinic does that money include titration what is the absolute total cost of everything because if, if you're not sure of either of those things you might be throwing away money to just be in the same position your identity might change because yeah you've got a diagnosis but you might not be able to get medication i think that's really important mm. um the other thing i was going to say is we talked about write everything down and again we've got like a, a, a script or a list on our website take a friend if you need to if you're really struggling to get points across take your partner take a friend buddy up at all stages when you're doing the asrs get someone to help you when you get past that referral and you've got assessment forms it as we know, I didn't film all mine in because fuck me, it's it's a lot of work, 36 questions. But buddy up and get people to help you throughout this process because it is unintentionally, and in some cases intentionally, ableist. So that's what I would like to say. I mean. <laughs> mm. Oh, um, well, there was, yeah, Sam. Nothing. <laughs> Come on, I, I, I def definitely. Were you going to read the wrong thing out? What are you going to do? No, I wasn't. I was thinking of of, of a question that, well, of an email that I, I need to answer that I was I was looking for an answer for, and I thought, oh, I might just ask them now, but it's probably best online. But actually, <laughs> other people might. I don't know. Um, if you've got a diagnosis somewhere else, 
in a different country. Mm. Yeah. And you've been through titration in that country and then you come to the UK. Will they accept that? It depends. On the GP? I thought so. On the country, firstly. Well, in the UK. Oh, on. Oh, really? No, no. Yeah. Mm. On the country Ah. coming from. So, for example, we have an agreement with America, I believe, where as long as accept what you've said and where you've got this from, that you can access your medications. I don't, sometimes it's temporary as well. So, you know, to, to help you out, it's certainly never uncomplicated, frankly. Right. Yeah. Wow. But there, ha- that, there has to be a psychiatrist involved because there has to be an annual review. So even if you turn up to the country, show them your letter and there is an agreement, they would still have to find a psychiatrist 12 months later to review your medication and if it's working. So it, it's never, never simple. If you're leaving the UK, um, you need to pay £20, I know, because I have one, from your GP if you're on shared care or from your psychiatric practice. My psychiatrist retired, which is a right pain in the old butt. And and so now I have this letter saying you have, to whom it may concern, Alec Connor was diagnosed with and this and has been treated with this. And that was enough. I had to have a neurologist appointment here and an assessment, but it wasn't complicated. This is in mm. Germany. But yeah, that, it was a bit of an embuggerance and did take a few weeks. I was off my meds for a month, which was brilliant, wow. as you can imagine, in terms of productivity. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they're probably going to have re- to get reassessed, I think. Mm. It was a really, really good question. And what I don't quite understand, Sam, is it was relevant to the discussion. I know. I don't know why. It's the... I think sometimes I just don't introduce things. I don't know why. All the time I'm thinking of things and I think, oh, no, don't say that. Yeah, that would be crazy. <laughs> Sorry. Really, really amazing. Right then, that on that bombshell, Sam being relevant and on task, that was episode 91, probably, of the ADHD adults. And it was the no, 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 19, 19, no, 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 19. Thursday extra edition of the ADHD Adults podcast after Monday's episode on route to a diagnosis. If you like this nonsense, my God, have a word with yourself. And you want to get involved, contact us on anywhere you like, social medias, Instagrams, Twitters, Facebooks, at the ADHD Adults. But of course, especially the ADHD Adults Discord site. Have a brilliant rest of your week. Goodbye. Bye. See you later. Trigger warning packs on, clacks on, clacks on, clacks on, big clacks on, no, 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 no